Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 265. Yeah. Talking about not magic games. Yeah, all right. Hey, Julius. Yeah, we're not talking about magic. We're not talking about games about magic. Well, maybe we are talking about games magic. Well, it could be we're talking about games about magic, but more I meant not deck building like magic type deck building games. Mm-hmm. Like this is... Not not deck building the meta game, deck building the actual game. Egg, deck building the meta game. Yeah, like you know the the game between the game. Not building your deck, deck building. Right. Yeah. That. Boy, if only there were two mechanics that weren't named so similarly. <laughs> right. That would make our life easier, and the show probably more succinct. <laughs> or at the very least, this last thirty seconds would be more succinct. There you go. We are talking today about deck building, the mechanic of deck building. And as I think we've done every other time, let's at least try and define what deck building is. Uh, Albert, do you have any ideas what a deck builder is? So I think of a deck builder as a game where you you have a deck of cards and you start with a simple deck. And as the game progresses, you're able to add more cards to it, generally speaking, making it more powerful, but not necessarily. Also, it doesn't have to be cards. But it does have to be something that you're drawing from routinely and consistently. Okay. So you have included in your definition of deck building any sort of pool builder. Tiles. Yes. Yeah. So bags, tiles, anything like that, where you are adding to it over time to make the thing that you're pulling from different over the course of the game. Not before the game, but over the course of the game. Over the Um, course of the game. I will say that for my definition, I did specify out a deck builder versus a general pool builder or a bag builder or something like that. So when I think of deck building, I normally think of just cards. It's almost like the, you know, the earlier versions of pool building were just, they were all cards. But when I was Mm -hmm. looking for things, I was looking specifically for card based games and not anything else, which had any other sort of pool builders. To a degree, it's because there's an awful lot of really good deck builders, and I wanted to narrow down my category as much as possible. Hmm, okay, that's interesting. That's it's a little bit different from my opinion. Why, you want to include as much as possible? No, that I, you know, I don't think I like the deck building as a mechanic. I don't <gasps> think I, generally speaking, enjoy deck building games. They're fine and all, but they're not what I'm going to choose to play first. For a second. You mean... <laughs> Deck building or pool building? Deck. Or is uh, no either one, I guess. It doesn't make any difference. For and you don't like either Actually, one of them? And probably deck building is worse because I think the, the, the first part of the game where your deck is really tiny and you're shuffling all the time gets tiring. I think that's, I think that's my that's big issue with it. I'm not really sure. pool building too. Well, yeah, but not as annoyingly. So like, so if you're doing a bag and you got to put stuff back in the bag every 10 tokens or whatever it is, that's not as bad as having to shuffle your 10-card deck every every couple rounds. That's what sleeves are for, in my it's, opinion, but okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> but so so there you go. So that that's where I differ from you. I don't think it's such a wonderful mechanic. It's ingenious. It's creative. It, it works really well for what it's intended to do. I just dislike all the shuffling. I- so... That brings me probably to what might be the best one, right? Friday, because there is a lot less shuffling on that. It's not even on my list. Yeah, okay. So that that's a deck <laughs> build, and that's different. So okay, so let me take a step back. I generally 
categorize it as there's three types of deck building games. There's sure. the, the type where you're buying from a tableau, where all the cards are out at the beginning, and you can pick from any of the stacks until they run out. There's the conveyor belt sort of deck builder, where there's five cards available, and each turn you buy one, and something gets added, and over time that those five are changing. So so what's available changes throughout the game a lot. And then there's sure. the random one, which is Friday, which is just a different mechanic, and each time you, you got a couple cards to pick from and, and that's the only choice so friday falls into that last category each turn you're drawing two cards you're choosing which one you're going to play for and then you play cards from your deck to see if you could win that card or not i will say that friday is has a more unique aspect many mm-hmm. deck builders allow you to cull your deck to a certain degree like remove things from your deck if they're no longer useful or if they're underpowered in comparison to other things in your deck for friday it's almost a requirement because you're going to have you know you're going to have weakness cards in there and you're going to have your starting cards which are the zeros and the minus ones and you're very much encouraged to get those out of your deck almost to a fanatic degree i think when early game you want to cull your deck down to be absolutely tiny And then with a tiny deck, you start trying to build up better stuff, I think is the winning strategy for the game. But it's because of that, it's less a deck builder and more like a deck deconstruction and then deck builder. Now, there are some other games that are pure deck deconstruction, where the whole idea is you have a big deck and your goal is to to whittle it down over time. And I can't remember the name of one of them. Uh, and it's not my list, but the idea of the game is that you have a whole bunch of a deck of marble, essentially, and you're playing the marble in order to build and whittle away to make a statue underneath all of the marble. Oh, okay. And so you're doing deck deconstruction over the course of the game. So That sounds better to me because because you start with a bigger deck and it's easier to shuffle. Yes, I figured you'd appreciate that. But that's not on my list, and I hadn't meant to discuss it. But more, I just wanted to bring the contrast of the two definitions, which probably is one of the reasons why you like Friday. You actually are starting with a pretty decent-sized deck. It's not a 10-card deck at the beginning of the game. I think it's like 20 or 30. Yeah, maybe 20. I think it's around 20. Maybe even slightly under. But yeah, yeah, definitely better than the standard 10. Yeah, so you very rarely are going to just that that tiny amount. Let Let me perhaps throw a different type of deck builder at you um this is one that doesn't have a whole lot of shuffling so maybe you would appreciate it as well but i still think that it's going to be a deck builder and that is maiden's quest are you familiar with this one i have never played that i've heard of the title but uh, i don't know anything about it so maiden's quest is a lighter type of game Uh, One of the tricks of the game is that you're you're supposed to play it all in hand. You don't need a table to be able to play the game. And you'll be fanning out cards, and most of the time what the cards can do is displayed on their left. So you'll just fan them out a little, and you'll be able to look in the top corner to be able to see, like, how many swords or wild icons or gemstones or draw more or bad cards or damages or things like that. You'll be able to see them all as you sort of uh, spread them out to be able to tell what it is that you're working with. And you'll be upgrading your cards. So unlike a deck builder, and you were mentioning that you have 
your definition deck builder where you have to buy something. This one, it's not that you're buying more cards to your deck. You're actually spending most of your time upgrading your cards. Each card can be flipped so that because you're only looking at that one little corner, you can flip it around and then turn the card over and then flip it again. So each card is actually kind of like four cards in each. So you're not buying more cards. You're spending your resources to be able to upgrade cards. And you may want to upgrade cards to get more magic or to get more swords or to get more draw or to have special actions on some of the cards. Who knows what not. And you're going through and you're trying to play that. And your whole goal is to continue going through your deck. And each time you're going to be adding some extra enemies into your deck and you'll be able to eventually get all the way down and be able to fight the boss in your deck by dealing enough damage and jewelry mm. and gemstones or whatever it is. It's, it, it's a maiden's quest. So it has, you know, <laughs> has Maiden. maidens in it. The whole, the whole main character is maidens and many of the, the bad guys are maidens. And that's just the, and part of the thing <laughs> okay. is you have dresses and fancy steeds and things like that. Neat. Okay. So, so that's interesting. So, so you're building your deck, but not by, by adding cards so much as by upgrading your cards, mm-hmm. though you, you are adding cards to your deck as the game progresses, but that's not so much by choice. That's more of a, the correct. It's, it's not so much by choice. There are a couple times where the bad guys can add cards, but for the most part, those are actually, I mean, they're added into the deck at the beginning. They're just mm-hmm. ignored until you've accelerated to their level. Ah, so you'll just okay, skip so over nice. them. So they're technically there, but they're just, they're not really. They're like a null card and just keep drawing past them. I see. And so as you defeat them, you're removing them out of your deck at that point? Is that uh, no, if you them defeat them, you actually get to flip them over and then they become an ally. Ah, nice. Okay. Or That sounds interesting. Loot. That sounds And that sounds like it's a relatively light, Fast to play game is my imagination. It is definitely fast to play. You can finish a whole game in like 10, 15 minutes. Um, And the idea of the game is you can just hold it while you're standing in line Mm -hmm. or while you're, you know, having coffee or hanging out outside. It doesn't require a table. It's all played directly in your hand. Um, I I will say that there, I I wanted to sleeve the game um, and it required some like very specific sleeves to be able to use it. Um, because there still is there still is shuffling in it, and I try and keep the cards in nice condition, especially since you're holding them all. And if you're outside and like you drop them, you want to have sleeves on them. So I want to protect them in the sleeves. The sleeves are annoying because it's it's very tall, narrow cards, kind of similar to Friday actually, which was also annoying. The sleeve. <laughs> okay, now that we mention it. Yeah, I rarely sleeve games. I mean, I guess I do. There's a fair bit of shuffling, but I'm not going to sleeve deck builders. If there's too many cards. Well, then again. Then again, my next game, I guess, is Star Realms, and I've sleeved all my Star Realms cards. <laughs> <laughs> I've got That's a, a little extreme. That's a lot of a lot of cards. It can be, yeah, because I got the base game, and I've got a few different expansions for it. So that that's a game with the uh, conveyor belt type deck building with a certain number of cards available each turn to buy, and, and you can pick a card, and, and it's available, and then you're going to replace it. So So what's available changes a lot. I like that. I like that game a lot. I played it a bunch with my son. I played it some solo, but not as much. There is a, a newer expansion out. I played it some is... with you. We play... Oh yeah, we did. We played. This is the, the rare game expansion. that we can actually say we played together. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I even... that's right because we do not live in the same city, so it makes it tricky. 
Um, Star Realms, Star Realms Frontiers supports solo out of the box. Most of the other ones don't really, but they're, they're um, scenarios you could play. And I think Star the Star Realms Frontiers also just has a scenario, so you can play them cooperatively or solo. They they generally take care of you know what you're fighting against, it, how it does damage, and takes care of keeping that uh that conveyor belt fresh, so it's not all the same cards, and you're not the only one buying them from them. And that that's a neat little deck builder. S- has the same issue. You start with the uh, ten cards in your hand. You can draw five each round, so fair bit of shuffling at first. The digital edition is much easier, and I played tons of that. But I, I still think I prefer physical copies. So yeah, that that's and that's one of the older games too, right? With that conveyor, but I think the first one that came out in that style was Ascension. I don't know, which is pretty neat. Yeah, I remember when that came out, and then I think this came out a little later, and copied the idea. I mean, there's definitely a lot of that type of game. Mm-hmm. Now there's yeah. Now there is, but yeah, it was definitely one of the early ones to have it be this small little portable case with just the river flow of cards and the synergies within them. It it was a good distillation of a head-to-head deck builder. I, I feel like it took a lot of what was in some of the original deck building type games and very much made them com- very confrontational as opposed to more multiplayer solitaire. Yep, yep, absolutely. So yeah, Star Realms. That, that's that's a favorite. Let me talk about one that I'm actually not including, just j- just for a hmm. second, and that is Big Book of Madness. Now, even though it is a pool builder, um, in general, I, I kind of don't count it so much as pool builder because usually, I when I'm thinking of a deck builder, I'm more thinking of where the cards in the deck are the actual power and goal of what is that you're doing and not just simply that they are resources to be able to do something else in big book of madness you're making a deck of resources um but those resources it's just like the four elements or the five elements um if you have the expansion but it's just the four elements and you then use those to power other spells or take other actions or do other things but the cards themselves do not actually do anything in of themselves. So I didn't include that. Instead, one of my what one of the other three games that I did include is one of my favorite deck builders, which is Lewis and Clark, or specifically hmm. Lewis and Clark the Expedition. Are you familiar with this one, Albert? I've heard of it, but I've never played it. Oh, that's a shame. Never Lewis and Clark it. the Expedition is both a deck builder and a worker placement game. So for the worker placement, you'll have these little Indian figures that you can use and send them out to various Indian villages or spaces on the Indian board. And you are trying to use all of your different powers and abilities to generate resources, uh, which are these little hexagram spaces that are on your boats. And you'll generate those resources and use them to power your way down the river in order to reach all the way to the end of the river first. So it's a race game. Most of the time, you're going to be generating resources from your deck, and each of the cards are going to be multi-use type cards. So the cards have their base power that they can be used for, whether it's get more resources, turn resources into other resources, get more Indians, get more other cool powers, all sorts of things that they do. But each card also can be flipped over to be used as Indians to power a card. Whenever you play a card, you must also send another card face down with it. 
which means that you're using it just to power a card. So you're sacrificing the front side of it. You're sacrificing the ability of it and just using it for power. So you have to weigh how it is that you're handling your hand and your deck to, because hmm. I'll get back to that in a second. You have to weigh how you're handling your hand to be able to decide which cards it is that you want to play for power and which cards it is that you want to play for their ability. Additionally, each card has in the top right corner an emblem of one of the four different types of main resources. And those emblems will often be triggered by other cards. So for instance, there's one card that has a bison icon on it, and it will give you a bison for every Indian you have times the number of bison emblems that are up between you and your neighbors. So you want to like play all of your bison icons so that when you play the bison creating card, it'll be at its most powerful, theoretically. Mm -hmm. So the cards are multi-use, and over the course of the game, you'll be buying more cards from uh, from the river, from the conveyor belt that you talked about, to be able to add and increase your deck and make your deck bigger. So the game is a little unique in that it's not really a deck builder, it's more of a hand builder because you actually get to use your whole, you pick up your whole hand every time and decide between your entire deck what it is that you're going to do and how it is that you're going to play. So I, I know it's not an actual deck formally, <laughs> but you are holding your entire deck in your hand every time you are running through your deck. And you yep. sometimes have to weigh, is my deck too long? Is it actually slowing me down? Or is it too short and I'm not getting enough stuff done before I have to reset? Does it ha not have enough of the big Indian cards? Do I need to buy some more? And there's a lot of push and pull on the various different things that you have to be doing throughout your deck in or, or to be able to move on and get all the way up there. One of my favorite things that the game does is most of the time when you're going up the river, it's just a river. So all you need to do is build canoes towards like two thirds of the way through the game. It switches and all of a sudden canoes don't help you. Now you need to get horses to be able to get over the mountain. And so your deck yeah. is like having to pivot and be like, Oh shoot. And then as soon as you get over the mountain, there's another little stretch of river you have to do before you get over it. So you can't pivot too hard. But you have to oh, be able okay. to, you have to be able to get over the mountain, and it's really cool how they have that little pivot, and it adds a little bit of fun for how you're playing through your deck, and makes for you know a, a striking climax to the game as everyone's getting up there and has to make that pivot. <laughs> That's neat. How how big does the deck grow in this game? Uh, depends on what strategy it is. I think that you're okay. trying to do. There are some strategies that don't want to buy a bunch, and there are some strategies that really want to buy all of them and get all of the upgrades and then just surge ahead. So it'll take more time to set up, but then towards the end, you'll be able to go much farther each round or each, mm -hmm. each time through your deck. So how big is that? Is that like 20 cards, 30 cards, uh, like 30 cards. cards. Okay. It, it definitely has the problem that you brought up of having a too small deck, but you know what? I don't think that's a problem. So you're just wrong. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> that's funny. I would, is that a, would you consider that more of a deck builder or work replacement, or do you feel it's kind of evenly balanced it's between the two? More of a deck builder, I think. Okay. Because the worker placement is usually it, it, the the powers are much less diverse in the worker placement. You don't even really take them every round. You'll go sometimes without using them, uh, but sometimes you'll really push it. Like there'll be sometimes where your deck will be like, "Oh, I can use a bunch of the worker placement type things." 
but the worker placement i think is an alternative to the deck building but the deck building is really where it lives mm-hmm. okay it reminds me of a newton right that we talked about not too long ago where where you're buying cards into your deck and your deck is your hand mm-hmm. and that's also it's also considered a deck builder to some extent or has a deck building mechanism and that when you get to even thin out your deck and get rid of some of the weak cards potentially by by playing them tucking them under your desk so it has deck builder mechanics, but I would have never really thought of that as a deck builder. Wouldn't have occurred to me. I hear you. So, yeah. So that that sounds interesting. That sounds like a fun game. Then the uh, Lewis and Clark. <laughs> well, I picked a third game, and I have backup games. My third game, and I'm guessing you didn't pick this one, is Rune Age. No, Are you familiar I with that didn't one? pick that it, one. I'm not familiar with it. It is a fantasy flight game. It's set in the world of Terranoth and is a deck building game. And it's uh, for one or more players. Each player is going to have a starting deck that's going to be unique. They're going to be different races. So you got elves and some humans and orcs and goblins and whatever. There's an expansion that adds a couple. And I think maybe like the orcs come in the expansion. I know the dwarves do. So I think it brings a total of five or six races. And the expansion adds maybe another three. They're, they each play unique. They each have their... This is the, the type where you have a tableau of cards available to play with, to, to buy from, and it's static throughout the whole game. But each race has their own deck of cards to buy from. So if you're playing the elves, you could recruit other elves, and nobody else could recruit the elves. But there's also cards in the middle to buy from that anybody could buy. So there's two separate pools to buy from. And there's different currencies. Different types of cards cost different types of currency. Um... So it makes it interesting. Like you could start getting, um, gosh, I don't remember the types of cards right now. But you could start buying cards that'll let you buy your characters or gold, for example, or you could buy other cards that give you influence that will then give you ability to buy some of the other cards in the middle. So it's really interesting the way that mechanism mechanism works. The other thing, it's scenario based, and there's some scenarios that are competitive and some that are cooperative or solo. So you. I know. Obviously, if you're playing solo, you'd have to play one of those scenarios. and um, Or just play two-handed. Yeah, I guess you can play, but, but it's competitive, so it would be really hard to, you know. I it's like playing a, a war game two-handed. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> haven't I, haven't I you done that? I have done that. Not often at all. Rarely, but I have done it. Okay. But if I had a solo option, I'd rather generally go for the solo option than play two two opposing sides. But Sometimes. so so it's scenario based, and the scenarios tend to be kind of short, maybe ten to fifteen rounds, and they're not very long rounds, especially if you're playing solo. Actually, um, so so they it goes pretty quick. It doesn't ha- you don't have a lot of time to build things up and all that. But it is interesting because another thing that's in- well another thing that's interesting is that. You're buying cards and throwing cards back out, spending them, and they're going out of your hand. And that can happen throughout the game where you're buying cards and losing them and buying them again. Hopefully you don't lose them. Well, in some cases. Hopefully you're not buying cards that get wasted. But yeah, that's that's an interesting one. I think it's still available. And it's fun, and the expansion's fun. There's also a user-made expansion that was made by a member of the One Player Guild that's available. Nice. And that one was pretty good. So that was cool. Age. Mm-hmm. So um, you you haven't picked any of the ones that I picked, and I even I didn't even pick any bag builders, even though I talked about them. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, if you pick bag builders, there's a, definitely some that would have been on my list, but you didn't pick any of the ones that I picked. And so I'm stuck because the next two, I'm really not sure which one I should pick. <laughs> I had both the loop down and edge of darkness. You know what? Let's talk about edge of darkness. Cause I feel like that's less commonly heard of okay. edge of darkness. Um, it is both a card crafting and a deck building game. Are you familiar with the card crafting mechanic, Albert? No. What does that mean? So card crafting is where you have the translucent cards and you'll put mm. them in a sleeve and slowly build up what your final card is over time. So we've seen it in, you know, there's mystic veil. Mystic veil is an example of one. And then the one with the pictures, which is not coming to mind um, is another one. Mm-hmm. So it is. So it's that car building uh, mechanic. This one is it's deck building. One of the interesting tricks though, is that your deck is actually shared with all the other players. You have one big deck that you're going to be putting together. And by using the card building, you are tagging which cards in the deck are yours. And it matters because if you're using your cards, you get a benefit. If you're using other players cards, then they may get a benefit. But sometimes other players have access to abilities that you want, or you've drawn other players' cards unintentionally, and or just were stuck with it. And those are just the decisions you have to make sometimes, and you have to use those cards for whatever fashion is that you want. Um, one of the few reasons why, one of the few reasons why I think the deck that the game is not the best is there's a whole bunch of different types of areas. First of all, the the game is an absolute table hog. It takes up so much room with the super tall cards that you're using to build. And so there's a whole pile of them around, and then there's a giant card spot in the middle. It just takes up so much space between everything. But mm, okay. more, I think, one of the issues is just there's so many different locations for it. And it's almost like complaining about having too much replayability, but kind of to a degree (laughs) it had too much replayability for me. And there were so many different types of things and stuff you can do and all the different types. And sometimes they, they interacted well and sometimes they didn't. And it's, it's essentially like having dominion with all the expansions is what it felt like. So it didn't actually stay on my shelf, but it was such an interesting version of the deck building mechanic that I I just, I don't feel like a discussion about deck building cannot have it in here. So that is edge of darkness. Interesting. Now you should go ahead and share your other game because edge of darkness seems to be hard to get right now and pretty expensive, honestly. Oh (laughs) yeah. Looking at it's like you could get on eBay for 150 or more. Opinion. Fine, I'll talk about the other game. <laughs> yeah, so the other game I'm talking about is The Loop. And I'm pretty sure Albert is familiar with The Loop. Yes, you told me about The Loop recently, I remember it. Yes, so it. The, the Loop is a smaller deck building game uh, where you start with merely six cards. <laughs> none, of, none of this ten. Ooh. You start with six cards. 
and you are building out your deck because each of your cards has a special power on it. And you can select whichever one you want of your hand of three each round to do what you want in what order. And you're going to be moving around the board. And the whole goal of the game is one of different scenarios. But the idea is that there's the Dr. Fu or Dr. Fo mm -hmm. who's trying to go around time and just cause lots of havoc and destroy everything before you can complete four missions to stop him. And you're moving around this time board, which is a rondelle, and trying to do stuff with the different cards. The cards are laid around the board, laid around the board in different spots, and you can only add cards to your deck if you end your turn in one of the spots that has the cards. But you'll want generally to be adding those cards to your deck because they're pretty good, they're pretty powerful, they do some pretty pretty cool stuff especially in comparison to your starting deck i think that most of the starting cards are less powerful than the cards that you can add so having more of those is generally good especially if you can start narrowing your deck to give some more generalist or even specialist tendencies for looping what looping is is it's like the time travel mechanic of the game each of the cards has a different icon in its type corner for one of three, or technically four if you include blank, but one of three different types of cards. And on your turn, you can spend an energy, or more energy if you're doing it multiple times, to loop, which means that all the cards that you've already used, you get to refresh and use again if they match the type that you're declaring to use. So that's the time travel mechanic that you personally are using to continue to reuse those cards to do more things over and over again. And mm -hmm. I, th I think we've even reviewed this game recently. Mm -hmm. This is a phenomenal cooperative game, a phenomenal deck builder game with phenomenal art. It is a joy to play, a joy to drop cubes into the central tower where everything <laughs> goes out. I, I cannot more highly recommend this particular cooperative game. Nice. Okay. That's a good choice too. Um, since you did, I will throw in another game, which is why I let you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I see pick... your ulterior <laughs> motives, Albert. That's right. I'm going to go ahead and pick Warp's Edge since I included bag builders in my list. Oh, that was the bag builder I would have picked if we were including yep. bag builders. Th that's a fun game. That is a really is fun great. game. I really enjoyed it. That's the first time I played a bag builder that's really felt like bag building. Like there's other games like a. Uh, Yggdrasil that has bag building in it, but that never felt like a bag builder. That just felt like a side mechanic. But yeah, here here you're you're going through your bag of counters and drawing them. And as you buy them, it, it's just like a deck builder, right? Because you're buying the, the the counters you get. Generally speaking, go into your discard pile. No, they go right into your deck. But that you use the counters, they go to the discard pile. You don't refresh your bag until you've emptied it out completely. So it's not a sort of thing where, where you got all your counters going into the bag and you may never see a certain counter because it never got drawn. No, every counter is going to get drawn. And I thought that's pretty neat. It's just really fun. It ha this also has that time loop mechanic, right, where when you finish your bag, it all the enemies reset and you get to fight them again sort of thing. And each time you're fighting, you're getting a little more powerful because you're building your bag with, with better counters, hopefully. So, yeah, hopefully. that's a, that's a neat game. <laughs> That was a really fun game. So yeah, there we go. There's a little tour of the deck building mechanic. Well, I think we've built up a couple of good ideas here, Albert. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Julius. 
Have a good night, everybody. All right. Good night. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.